Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. They tell you about the Hockey Podcast Network. Goddamn right we are. You know, there's an entire network. It's not just Blue and Gold Make Darlene. There's 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. From terrible, horrible teams like the Boston Bruins to some of the best teams in the league like the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. And with that being said, if it's a terrible team or if it's a great team, no matter what, you are able to get two episodes a week from all of the hosts. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday with new content covering everything from the latest that's going on with everyone's respective teams all the way through to doing more fun things like the many trivia games that Taylor and I have on our show. That's right. Hot content, hot takes, hot hosts. Hot hosts. You got it everywhere. Uh, and you you can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, if you're one of those weirdos like me that uses Stitcher. You use even, Stitcher? I do. Strange. I think I'm the only one who does. Okay. And even at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com if you're looking for some more info. There's a whole website that's that you right. could go check hey, out. Maybe it's getting to that point of the season where you're getting sick of the Sabres. I know some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this again. West Coast uh, trip is about to be tough. Maybe you want to check in on some of your other favorite teams if you're one of those kind of guys. Absolutely. Well, they're all available and they're all easy to find. Gosh darn right. So be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network once again at their website at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we are very happy to be back, uh, bringing you guys a brand new episode, especially coming off of last week's episode, which was very exciting. Uh, for those of you who may have missed it, we interviewed Doug Bodger, of course, who is uh, who was a former Sabres defenseman from the 90s. He's the fourth leading scorer among defensemen in franchise history. And it was really cool having him on last week. He had a ton of great stories um, about his time with the Sabres, the Penguins, um, the Canucks. I mean, he had a pretty storied career, and so it was very cool to have him on. Played with a lot of all-time greats for sure. Uh, and we're looking forward to having him back on again sometime in the future. Taylor, general thoughts on last week's episode? Yeah, he was really good. He was really candid. He talked about some of the great players he played with, Mario Lemieux, Dave Anderchuk, Pat LaFontaine, Alex McGillney, Dominic Hasek. He didn't pull any punches, but not in a mean way. He just said what he thought about everything, and really interesting stories about pretty much all those guys. So I'd recommend checking it out. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into this week's episode, really quickly, we just want to share a quick message from one of our sponsors. Yeah, let's, let's hear a little bit from our uh, friends at Manscaped. So this episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Brendan, in these quarantine times, it's easy to overlook some basic grooming. Showers are less frequent, deodorant becomes optional, your man parts, well, be honest, it's sort of a mess down there right now. <laughs> Maybe it's time to start cleaning it up. If you're like me, be tough to keep a steady hand working with a razor in such a sensitive reason. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous game. But Manscapes redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent the past 18 months. That's that's like the entire time Phil Housley was a Sabres coach. You guys are getting to know us right now. <laughs> Perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, they say. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. They sent it to me, and wow, it's incredible. I mean, it features 
cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents, which we all hate those. No more cuts or nicks. It's easy to use. It's safe. It's so much faster and easier uh, and safer than standard razor. So get the job done quicker, better, and safer. Uh, one of the coolest things, there's an LED light that illuminates the grooming area for a closer and more precise trimming. That can be helpful. Showers can be dark. Uh, battery lasts 90 minutes. And there's a USB-powered charging dock included. So the thing is with this too, the product's brand new. Almost no one's used it so far. And I want you know, all you listeners to be among the first if you're into that. And also if you're a man, I guess. Not all listeners, I suppose. Go to manscaped.com, type in the code THPN to get 20% off and free shipping. That's promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your little friends will thank you. All right. So now just to hop right into things, um, really, if you look at the, uh, the past month, the past, like this year, this past season, the past couple seasons, the spotlight has been all about the Pagulas and how they are running this franchise. Uh, and now the spotlight is seemingly going to really, the heat is about to turn up quite a bit. Uh, in the next uh, week or so. Taylor, do you want to kind of dive into what is going on right now? Yeah, so the Pagoulas have been in, I would say, (laughs) under a microscope for the past month or so. Uh, They were one of the only teams in North America. I think they ended up being the only one that didn't really commit to paying their uh, event staff during the canceled and postponed quote-unquote games that we all know are going to be canceled until the games are actually canceled knowing full well that people need that money right now not later uh and that that was bad they they then committed uh to donating a certain amount of money but it was just their foundation's money not their money and as it turns out now they were asking all of their employees uh to donate knowing they were going to furlough or lay off a lot of those people but there's a more interesting thing going on i think which I think they they're either using the pandemic as a moment to to get started on this process or they're using it to distract from the fact that they're doing this but they it seems are undergoing a restructuring of how they handle some of their businesses especially with the Sabres and kind of PSD in general now in the past they also took some heat for how they handled their 716 layoffs and the fact that they just aren't giving people their jobs back when the pandemic ends or when the social distancing ends. Uh, but this is, I think, more extreme than that. They've uh, fired 21 people and furloughed 104 last week. Um, that's stunning. It's a lot Not of people. Great. And terrible. Absolutely from- terrible. And also just for what it's worth to, you know, if any of our, our listeners by chance fall into that group, like we we're with you and we're incredibly sorry. Yeah all is happening so john fogel wrote about this in the athletic this week some of them were surprising um john sinclair the vice president of tickets and service chris bandura the vice president of communications and jennifer ran excuse me jennifer van risedam the vice president of live events uh these people i mean that's those are three pretty high level people in the company bandura has a great reputation across the nhl john sinclair has been there for i think 30 years and they basically said, hey, see ya. You get two weeks of healthcare, two weeks of severance, and you're gone, uh, which is really tough. Right. Just a really terrible way to handle business in general. And they, of course, they also, they're cutting back on the, the Academy of Hockey at Harbor Center. Um, 
in, in different areas. So it's an interesting I, thing that they're just, that they're restructuring like this and in, in firing these different people, especially people who are perceived to have been pretty good at their jobs. Um, so <laughs> what, what's your first impression there? So it, it's, I mean, obviously my first impression is that it's horrible. You know, I think that uh, any company that is looking at the situation that's going on right now, just around the world and thinking, hmm, this could be a good time for me to kind of retool and, you know, change, shake things up a little bit, um, you know, at the expense of really just hurting their employees is just, it's, it's horrible. Um, you know, I, I think that going into this season and throughout the season and really even last year, you know, there have certainly been a lot of calls for, uh, an organizational shakeup within the Sabres, PSE, what have you, um, you know, lots of reports of toxic work environments, uh, and just really not having the right people doing the right jobs to, um, you know, make what they're doing both from an on ice and off the ice perspective kind of flow and, and really work. So, you know, th there's that, but you know, I, everybody who has said that has called for that, you know, is obviously more so thinking about things in terms of the, uh, you know, the scouting department, expanding the analytics department, um, a little bit more of turnover when it comes to some of the, you know, higher ups, I guess, in, in other operational uh, areas within the organization. However, again, uh, at a time where, you know, you had said it yourself, you're essentially just kicking these people to the curb in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of not even just a, like a global health crisis, you are effectively just firing these people and taking away their health insurance. Yeah. Congratulations. You get it for a couple weeks after the fact, but like that, what is that going to do for somebody a month from now, two months from now, yeah. you know, it's not exactly like places are hiring and it just seems like just yet another misguided step by the Pagulas, you know, where everybody seemingly with half a brain is telling them do this, this is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. And it just seems like they go in the complete opposite direction. Um, and again, you know, with regards to all of this, it's one thing if you feel as though, you know, you need a shake up in the areas that these, these workers who are fired and furloughed, like if you feel like you need a shake up, that's one thing, but it's a complete other for one, the way you're handling it too, the timing of what you're doing right now. And ultimately it brings you back to the, the, just the general thought that there's some serious money problems right now with the Pagulas. Um, I mean, uh, these steps, you know, you aren't seeing this happen with the bills. It's, it's strictly happening with the Sabres. Um, and it's incredibly disheartening. You know, it's, it, it goes so far beyond at this point, just like the anger towards them for just destroying this, franchise and hockey team and making it a miserable sorry experience to watch this team for the past 10 years it's it's more than that it's like now you are going after people's livelihood you know when your whole brand is one buffalo and how we're a community and how you know the uh the workers for both of the organizations and the players and and the operations it's all so aligned and and you know a cohesive unit I mean, it, it, it's hypocritical at 
like that's probably as nice as I can say is calling them just massive hypocrites. But beyond that, it goes a lot further. It's it's it could be greed. It could be you know just a general, I guess, being completely out of touch with you know what is going on right now, what the community wants, what the community needs from you for that matter. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say on this too is in a general sense, when the COVID-19 pandemic started, you know, everybody like consumer wise was kind of saying, you know, like, well, now is the time that the spotlight is going to be on uh, businesses and organizations for how they're going to treat their employees because, you know, you're only as good as how you handle things in times of crisis, you know, like that is really kind of a a solid measure of what kind of business you run and how you value your employees. And if your knee jerk reaction for people who have boatloads of cash is to just start firing people. I mean, it's inexcusable. It's terrible. And I think it's just a, a testament to just what a, terrible work environment it is there both internally and externally because now you're going to have situations where you're going to be losing out on talent because people aren't going to want to work for you because you treat your workers so poorly yeah so sorry that's a lot to unpack it is so the one thing i kind of want to touch on more is the idea that this isn't just a restructuring it isn't just it possibly isn't just them treating their employees badly it might be a sign that things are not as go- going as well as uh, we would hope in their financial department. And obviously no one are like, it's a sports co- podcast. Why do we want to talk about, you know, billionaire owners and how their finances are doing? It matters a lot though for, for how the team is run going forward. So as people probably know, NHL teams operate on slimmer margins than NFL teams, which, and there's, there's, that, it's obvious. Yeah. 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 yeah like, the NFL, you just get handed a ton of money, no matter what franchise you are, no matter what you're doing because of their TV deal, they hand you like millions of dollars and you're always, you always make the money. Like no matter what, it, it's like impossible to lose money. Right. The case in the NHL, which is why NHL teams rely on gate revenue. They rely on concessions and merchandise and more things like that. And obviously the Sabres are doing poorly in all those departments this year. I have to imagine. I know they're doing poorly in terms of selling tickets. Of course. Yeah. I mean, go to any game. (laughs) Yeah. And season tickets aren't what they used to be. And, and I, so I have to imagine everything else has to kind of go that way. So that's, that's a very, that's kind of a short term thing. Theoretically, if they ever started to win again, they're unveiling New Jersey's next year. They'll probably sell a lot of merch. We'll see. If they're ever good, they'll make money in that department. Now, the problem is they seemingly are doing poorly in other areas. And I know this has been talked about, um, the fact that this restructuring or whatever they want to brand it as doesn't really have anything to do with the crisis. I mean, there's some things I'm sure that were exacerbated because of the crisis or made worse, but it's a long-term thing. Something that Tim Graham has hinted at in some of his athletic articles recently uh, it's John Vogel obviously wrote about it. Uh, and the fact that they'd be firing like a lot of higher up people would really have, kind of have nothing to do with, with how, with the pandemic basically more or less. But anyway, so I, I read this week and I can't find the article for some reason right now, but it's, it was either Tim Graham or John Vogel that wrote it. And uh, it talked about the American oil market, which is where Pagula made his fortune in hydrofracking and how, much of the prices for a gallon of oil have dropped in the American market to a stunning degree. Uh, it's, I, I think he, 
yeah, it was somewhere in the four point four something dollar a gallon range when he bought the Sabers, the mid threes when he bought the Bills, and now it's in the mid ones. If I'm not mistaken, that's what the article said. That's insane, and that would make Pagula worth a lot less money in his, uh, than you thought, because basically when people talk about his net worth, something that floats around five billion, your net worth is just based on how much people think something you own is worth more or less or what your property and your holdings are worth. And if what seemed to be your most valuable area, your, your most valuable holdings are suddenly le- way less valuable, then you, you have less money. Your, your net worth is lower. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that I don't know, keep an eye on. And on top of that, the reason I think I said the pandemic could exacerbate that is because the rest of their money is tied up in pro sports, which right now would be Sabre season on hold Amherst season on hold, Nighthawks and Bandit seasons canceled. Uh, the, the Marriott at Harbor Center, nothing I'm sure is going on at Harbor Center, period, right now. 716 close. Uh, Labatt uh, Draft House, I don't know if it's fully closed, but I think it's probably not doing very good business right now. Uh, Healthy Scratch, just all these areas where they must be losing a ton of money, and those places are big. And they must have massive overhead. Um, so that's probably hurting them even further right now. And on top of that, there are rumors and they're just rumors, but they're floating around that they haven't been very successful in their branchings out into other businesses, such as the music label and the sports agency. So it's just a big concern right now. Well, not, not and I, how they treat their employees, but how, what kind of shape they're in financially. Right. And I mean, that's the thing, you know, we think about them from the, for one, from the perspective of their missteps in running the hockey team, but you really, I guess, until now you don't put as much thought into all of this other stuff that we're talking about and you know not for nothing but the lack of success for the savers has a direct impact on all of that for the labat house in 716 if the team is better you have more people going to games on a nightly basis which means you have more people in those establishments before and after games for harbor center that is based on, you know, hockey participation. When the Sabres were really good in the mid-2000s, there was a huge boon of just new people, uh, of new kids getting involved with hockey and learning how to play hockey, wanting to get into it. Obviously, we've seen a huge growth in terms of women's hockey uh, locally. But when the team is better, you're more likely to have that happen. I mean, we've seen that happen, you know. And so that leads to more opportunities at Harbor Center, Um, you know, you establish yourself further as, you know, a hockey hotbed, and then you are able to get more tournaments to come through to Harbor Center as well, like high profile tournaments and things like that. And so it's, it's just like a domino effect of just misstep after misstep that is kind of leading now where they're not just bleeding because of the Sabres, they're bleeding because of, like you said, all of these other failed pursued business opportunities. And you know, it, when is it going to stop? Like what is, what is going to be rock bottom where there's going to be a minute where things are going to totally change because the way that things are operating right now, this is not sustainable and something is going to have to happen soon. Now the, you know, the furthest extent that we're talking here is they would have to sell the team, which again, I mean, that's not something that really you or I or anybody can say if that's even a uh, uh, thought in their mind right now at all. But yeah, I mean, the, this is all just really like starting to add up and, you know, 
not, it's one thing if you have, you know, a bad rep in the, in the area, but you're still making money, but they have the dynamic duo of having a terrible reputation locally as well as not making money. Yes. <laughs> it's, it seems to be a huge problem. Huge. Uh, yeah. And it's not sustainable. You can't continue to operate like this. What, what, like I said, like, where does it end? And I'm asking that like as a legitimate open-ended question, because I don't think anybody really knows what this could mean. Like, a year from now, two years from now, five, 10 years from now. Right. I think it probably just keeps going in this direction. Like the Knicks are notoriously terrible to work for and James Dolan is, and they're, they're still operating. So right. whether or not it's better, um, you know, like I mentioned on the NFL side, they've done better, but it also doesn't matter what they do. Um, they're just going to make money. Yeah. And someday the Sabres will be better. And in that time, the Sabres will probably make money. And with this restructuring, they're probably just committing to spending less money. And you know, they were big when they first bought the Sabres on throwing their money around. And they're probably going to be less big on that going forward, at least in the short term. But, you know, when, and, it's, when, and also something that we have not even mentioned here, COVID-19 is, is effectively saved Jason Botterill's job. No, like, I mean, I, I think that's probably fair to say at this point. Uh, I think he was going to be retained anyway, but I think it would have been really yeah. hard if they finished the season like they did last year. It would have been tough for them to keep him. And now they don't have – because the way it looks now, it looks like they had a bad season. Say so did, but it was about to get way worse because they lost six in a row right after the deadline. Like, they were in a bad way. And now it seems like he'll probably – I mean, right now it's really up in the air. We don't even know if they're going to – they would play more regular season games. Gary Bettman's still talking about the regular season. We don't know when the, the, the draft lottery was supposed to happen. I mean, we don't know when the draft's going to be. We don't know when the agency's going to be. And yeah. so, you know, if this is – going to end up happening where they're going to be playing games in June. Like they can't have the draft yet. Like they can't do free agency or anything like that. That's all going to get pushed back. And I have a hard time thinking that they're going to try given the circumstances, turn this around and be able to both fire him and find somebody to, to bring in at least the, I don't trust the Pagulas to be the kind of people who would be savvy enough to pull that off. No, I think, I think we will be seeing him uh, again going forward uh, at least for one more year. Sad. Yeah, good, good for him, I guess. He's still hopefully he. Uh, it's like a mid-season kind of deal or something. Yeah, yeah, God, I mean, Darcy. Well, hopefully they're good. I guess that's probably the best case scenario, but not that I'm exactly banking on that. Yes, me neither. <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah. So moving on to another topic. Now that we've talked about, you know, billionaires' finances for twenty minutes. <laughs> uh, the NHL Network did a ranking of goalies. For some reason, I didn't read much wrong. It was annoying. Yeah, extremely wrong. It, it, they, they did their top five in a teaser tweet and a graphic, and they did the rest of the list in an article. And I looked at it for like twenty seconds, and I was like, "This is an unbelievably bad list." Yeah. That, I mean, not even arguable. Uh, but the thing that caught people's attention was the list was started with one Broder, two Patrick Wad, three Hashik. Uh, before we get into everything else, it does strike me as kind of unlikely that the three best guys all just were guys that played the same era as each other. Right. It feels a little off. I mean, they're probably all three. They are three Hall of Famers and three of the best, but. I think two of the three could be the top two. I think that you could definitely make a case that it's Hasek one, Patrick Wah two. Brodeur is just not there, though. I mean, the fact that he was played, like, I, I don't think there would have been as much of an uproar about it if it was like Wah, Hasek, Brodeur. 
But the fact that you put a guy who statistically across the board throughout his entire career was not as good as the two guys you have right behind him, it, make, it makes no sense. And the only thing that Brodeur effectively has going for him is – is I mean I guess like longevity, but also it's more importantly the fact that he just he won cups and that's it. Take not taking into account the teams that he was playing behind, the system that he was playing in, um, you know, and just his his general overall performance. People just see that he has the cups and are like, oh well, he must be the best. When that is just not true. It does, or how you should evaluate these things. Obviously, uh, you shouldn't, but it doesn't follow logically because Wah has four cups. Broker. Yeah. Wah played pretty much as long. He was uh, above average in save percentage for the league average of any given year throughout his entire career, through all of his 18 seasons. And you'd say, obviously, Hasek has the best peak. Everyone would say that. He won six best in eight years. He led the league in save percentage six times. That's a record. He broke the record multiple times. He blew everyone away in those years. He was 30 points ahead of the league average. He won the cup with Detroit. Um, and he was great the entire time. He carried really bad teams pretty far in the playoffs. But if you wanted to say Wah has the longevity in the Cups, I would say I guess that's an argument. The argument for Brodeur is asininely stupid. I mean, if, if you look in that article, they, they cite the same things everyone else cites, which is, oh, Brodeur is the all-time leader in games played, wins, losses, saves. It's like, yeah, you just said it with the first stat, though. He played the most games. Right. I mean, and none of those are stat. Why I had the better longevity considering his how spread out his first and last cup? What was it, 15 years between his first and last Stanley Cup? Yeah. it's He doesn't even have that argument to really stand on either. Like, yeah, he played the most games, but, like, what does that mean? Like, just, you know, he played more games, big deal. He also yeah. played with considerably better teams. No one says Robert Parrish is better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> like. Right. Like, he'd be, yeah, he played more games. He's around more. Uh, but, you know, it, that, it's really stupid. Um, but it got, it got us thinking, you know, about, about that whole deal. And we, we're on the same page with Hashik being the GOAT. And if you Definitely. don't agree, you go look at his stats. Go look at his playoff stats, particularly in 98 99. Um, but one thing you can't deny with these three is they really dominated uh, awards voting for quite a while. Definitely. That's no department. And we did a quiz a little while back about the Art Ross and how Yager, Lemieux, and Gretzky dominated that. Well, this is not quite like that, but so this is a two-part quiz. So I hope you're ready for this. Ooh, okay. And then you can then you can quiz me on your quiz. Yes. From nineteen eighty-nine through two thousand eight, only four goalies besides those three guys won the Vesna. 1989 through 2008. Excuse me. I'm including Ed Belfour in this. Ed Belfour, Pat Wah, Hashik, and Brodeur won every Vesna. Okay. Except for, hold on. Let make sure I'm right here. Is it, yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah. They won all but four Vesnas in that time. They all won multiple Vesnas. So starting in 88, 89 through 07, 08. So what? There's only like four other guys then, right? Or something yeah. like that? Yeah. So those four guys won multiple Vesnas and four other guys won one each. Who are those guys that won one? Okay. Jose Theodore. Yes. He won the heart. Even. <laughs> Absolutely he did. One of most random years of all time. Um, maybe Kiprasov. Yes. So Kiprasov's one of the later ones. That's so a good one. 2005, 2006, around there. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He was a 
that's also kind of a he was a good goalie for a while but I, I don't think a lot of people would have able would, would have been able to guess that I was he's like I kind of like because I I mean he was one of those guys I bunch in with like Evgeny Nabokov um you know those like 2000 early mid 2000s goalies who were pretty solid for a while I feel like a lot of them were from the out west I feel like we've actually talked about that like just European goalies in the western conference in the 2000s there were some pretty solid ones yeah. like Roman Czechmonic is another one who comes to yeah. mind well, not Nabokov, but the other ones. What's that? Not Nabokov, but the other ones, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, he was a guy. Like, he was a starter for long enough for... Yeah, exactly. All right, so how many do I... I have what, two more? Two more in this quiz, yeah. Um, How many in the 90s? How many in the 2000s? They are both in the 90s. Or, well, well one is 99-2000, so... All right, let's go. Let's start with that one first. Uh, I think I do know this actually. Is it? it uh, I have two names in my head right now, and there's one that I think is right, and there's one that I'm like, if it's not that, it's the other one. But the one that I think is right is Olaf Kolzig. That's right. It's Ole the goalie. Cool. Uh, and then one more. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I don't even know. Uh, can I have the year? Ninety-five, ninety-six. It's just a common guy, a common name. Well, here's a funny thing. I would say he's not the most famous person with this name. He did not have a great career after this, by the way, if that helps. Not the most famous person with this name. I was originally going to guess like Archer's Urbe or something like that because I wasn't sure, but no, he's the never one of Vesna. I'd have to say. What's that? <laughs> he's the most famous Archer's Urbe. Yeah, well, I know. That's why I went, that was a nice clue. Um, Jim Carrey. That's correct. Booyah. I'm looking at this right now, and I got to say, I have no idea why he won. (laughs) I just knew he was a goalie, and then when you said that, that's kind of when I was like, wait a minute, this makes sense. So, Is it spelled the same? Is it it C-A-R-E-Y? Yeah. Interesting. So it's (laughs) – Starting 94, it goes Hashik 930, Hashik 930, Jim Carrey 06, 906, Hashik 930, Hashik 937. He went with a 906 save percentage. Must have been a down year, I guess. Yeah, wild. (laughs) So was that the quiz? Was it just naming those four? That was part one. Part two of the quiz is, so like the quiz we did with the Art Ross, since then, the Vesna has become much less uniform. Okay. You name the guys who have won the Vesna since. All right. Sergei Bobrovsky. That's right. And he won it twice. Okay. Uh, how many more do I have to go? So you have – let me count real quick because there's another guy who won it twice. Is uh, Henrik Lundqvist? Ha- Lundqvist won it once, so you got him. Um, Braden Holpe? Braden Holpe won it once, yep. Andre Veslevsky. Yep, he won it last year. Um, Jonathan Quick? No. You know, he hasn't won one? Nope. All right. Um, who the hell else? Five. How many, how many more? Five. Oh my God, Carey Price, obviously. Carey Price, four more guys. Um, 
Anybody like really random or is it all like really household names? No, no, no one really random now. Chuka? Chuka. All right. Um, what are the years that I'm missing? You were missing a guy that won it twice in 08, 09, and 10, 11. You're missing 09, 10, and you're missing 17, 18. Ooh, okay. So, um, let's see. Is the, is the two-time winner still in the league? No. Oh, wait. I'm missing one obvious one. Ryan Miller, of course. Yes. yes. Of course. What a fool. Um, the one who's the two-time winner isn't in the league anymore? Right, right. Um, does he also have extremely bad political opinions? You know it, buddy. Okay, Tim Thomas, where you at? <laughs> yeah, he's in a compound right now. He also has two first names, so. Tim Tom- oh, yeah, of course. Uh, all right, and then 17-18. Who won the Vesna that year? Oh, that's for you to decide. Wow. East or West? West. not ben bishop um a western conference goalie is he still on his respective team yeah 17 18 it's not john gibson he hasn't won one yet i don't believe right um connor hellybuck no Damn, he's going to win it this year. Yeah, whenever that happens. Right. Um, who in the hell won it in 2017-18? He's still on the team that he won it with? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, let me think. No, I don't want to know the division. It's not – I'm trying to, like, just go through all the Western Conference teams. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of who the hell. It's not them. Um, mm, sorry, I'm, I'm leaving this. I should have this quicker, I feel like. It's a, is it an obvious name? Like, should I know this? Well, it's a very well-known guy. I don't know if you would have known that he won, but he's been good for a while. All right. Um, Pecorine? Pecorine. There we go. All right. Cool. Here you go. You wow. really got hung up on one guy. You got pretty much the rest of them. What's that? You only got hung up on one guy. That's good. You got the rest of them. All right. Not bad. I'll take that. It's one. nice that like the first 20 years that we were talking about were taken up by four people. So that yeah. always helps. Yeah. So 2021-2022 winner, Uko Pekalukanen, but... Of course. I'm not going to make you guess that one yet. Obviously. Um, all right. Well, I have one for you now if, you are, uh, if you're ready for that. Let's do it. You don't have to do this in order, but going back again to last week's episode with Doug Bodron, uh, a team that we talk about pretty extensively um, in Sabres history. And just, you know, I, I think it's 
for one, it's because of the fact that they're one of the best teams in franchise history, but also it's because this particular year was one of the most exciting years in NHL history. And that would be the 1992-1993 season. Uh, a team, uh, the Sabres team at that time, of course, that was the big year with LaFontaine and Mulgilney, um, where they were just tearing it up together on the Sabres' first line. Um, Doug Bodger, of course, was a part of that team. That's also the year that uh, the Sabres trade Dave Anderchuk for Grant Fuhr, which you have to wonder if that trade never happens. Do the Sabres go on to win the Cup that year? Potentially, obviously, injuries played a role there too. But given the fact that that was such a just crazy season um, with some pretty high-scoring guys – I would love it if you would be able to go through and tell me, in no particular order, the top 20 scores from the 1992-1993 season, and I mean in terms of points. So once you say the guy, I will tell you their ranking and how many points they scored. I already gave you two. Pat LaFontaine was second in the league in scoring this year with 148 points in 84 games. And Alexander Mogilny was eighth in the league in scoring with 127 points in 77 games. So the obvious one here is the absolutely insane Art Ross winner. Mario Lemieux led the league in points by 12 even though he missed more than a month of the season with cancer. He did. He scored 160 points in 60 games, 69 goals and 91 assists in 60 games. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It took a little while off to do chemo. That's absurd. Yeah. One of the most absurd seasons ever. Yeah, so he's one. Um, so Wayne Gretzky. Uh, actually, no. Oh, was he hurt? He was hurt the year they. He was this. He was hurt this year. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, that was worth a guess. Um, it makes you wonder if he's, you know, if he would have been healthy. My lord. Yeah, seriously. Um, well, Yager. Yarmir Yager is not on this list. Wow. Let's go with Mark Messier. Mark Messier, also not on this list. Fucking bums. Ron Francis. Ron Francis, also not on this list. Fuck everyone. There's a lot of big names here. There's only a couple that I would assume you wouldn't know, but there's a lot of very high-profile guys. All right, so what about Yari Curry? No. Jesus fucking Christ. All right, just going to go through all the Oilers. What about Paul Coffey? Um, they're all on different teams by this point, I think. By that would be a no. I can start giving you hints if you want. Last one, Glenn Anderson. No, Taylor. So, all right, let's think of some other guys. Then. Ron Francis, for the record, was 21st that year. I think you said him, didn't you? Yeah, what a dick. What's his problem with me? The nerve. Unbelievable. Let me know when you want hints. Yeah, no, so let's let's think of this. Ray Bork? No. Fuck. Who the fuck was <laughs> what's the matter with all these fucking guys? <laughs> There's a lot of big names here. Yeah, this is the year I was born. All right. What about Brett Hall? Brett Hall, yes. He is on this list. Brett Hall was number 19. He put up 101 points in 80 games, 54 goals. Okay. Is this too early for Joe Sackick? It is not. He was number 17 on this list with 105 points in 78 games for Quebec. 
Okay, what about thinking of the Red Wings because they – That's a really good idea. So, Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman was fourth in the league in scoring, 137 points in 84 games. Sergei Fedorov? Sergei Fedorov, I think he is actually just on the outside looking in here along with, with Yager. <sighs> All right, who else is on the Red Wings? Well, think of a future Red Wing. He wasn't on the Red Wings yet. Brendan Shanahan. No, another guy who is not with the Red Wings yet, who is a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Um, Everyone played for the Red Wings. True. He's a Hall of Famer who played the majority of his career out west, but late in his career got traded to or went to Detroit. Luke Robitaille. Luke Robitaille is correct. Number nine, 125 points in 84 games. So since I have this already, um, should I guess Marcel Dion is just too late for him? Marcel Dion is not on this list. What about Dave Taylor? Dave Taylor is also not on this list. How about um, one of the most despised people in the history of Buffalo sports for a particular play he was involved in? Oh, wait, you already said him, actually. Never mind. Yeah, who was that? Hall. Oh, yeah, Hall. I have him. Sorry about that. Um, all right, I can give you more clues if you want. What's that? Too early for Madonna. Madonna actually is on this list, but he was not up there. Madonna was 30th in the league in scoring. Him, actually, oddly enough, 29, Brendan Shanahan, 30, Mike Madonna, 31, Mark Messier. Wow. If this was a time. Sergey Fedorov was 36. Yari Curry was 37. Paul Coffey was 35. Um, Yager, 27, as I had said before. All right. What about Pierre Turgeon? Yes, sixth overall in scoring, 132 points in 83 games for the Islanders. Oh, let me guess some other Sabres, former Sabres. Whoa, did I even guess Anderchuk? Anderchuk is actually 22nd uh, on this list, 99 points in 83 games. Okay, what about Dale Howardchuk? Dale Howardchuk is also just on the outside looking in. He is not in the uh, – I think he is in the top 50 potentially on this, but he's not in the top 20, no. What about Phil Housley? No good <laughs> um <laughs> spirit i think i'm done with defensemen but i could be wrong there let me see uh, let me start thinking of some other yeah you are done with defense with defensemen yes doug gilmore yes doug gilmore number seven 127 points in 83 games wow all right uh hmm this might be too early for Matt Sundin, but I'm going to say Matt Sundin. Yes, Matt Sundin, number 11 with the Quebec Nordiques. He put up 114 points in 80 games as a 21-year-old. Wow. Um, He's the – Matt Sundin is the youngest player on this list. Actually, no, he's tied for the youngest player with this guy that you have not said yet. Oh, man, I'm trying to think what year Lindros got drafted. So I'm going to say Lindros. He's not. All right, young guys that could have been there. Uh, man, I just had someone in my mind. Well, I'm going to say Mark Recchi, but that's probably wrong. Mark Recchi is correct. Oh, Tenth overall in scoring with 123 and 84. My God, Mark Recchi played forever. Yeah. Um, 24 years old that season. Oh, so he's not the young guy. No, he's not. Oh, man, I just had someone in my Well, could have been Peter Forsberg. Did I say that yet? You did not say him, and he is also not in this list. That would have been too early for him. Okay, young guy that time that's a great question West, western conference Owen Nolan. 
No, not Owen Nolan. He is not from North America. This guy? Yes. Oh, oh, Timu Solani. Well, he's not the youngest. He's actually the se- he's second. He's 22 years old at this point. But, yes, he is number five, 132 points, 76 goals. Keep in mind also this was his rookie season, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 132 points, though, in 84 games. But, no, Timu Solani is 22 this season. There's another 21-year-old here. Uh, again, Western Conference, he is not from North America. Paul Korea? No. Paul Korea is also North American. Not just many young guys. I need to think about the North America part. Uh, He's a very popular older player because of how just his style of play. Pavel Burry? Yes, Pavel Burry is the guy. He was 21 years old with the Vancouver Canucks when he put up 60, 50, and 110 in 83 games. Oh, my God. Yes. Wait, is this the year they played 84 games? Is that why everyone's got 83 games played? 84 games is the highest, yeah. Um, all right. How many guys do I have left to guess? You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more to go. Let me know when you want hints. Okay, well, let me just think of a couple more teams. Sure. Well, I'm trying to think of a. Would, like, John LeClaire be here? John LeClaire is not. Ah. Hmm. Yeah, Dale Howarchuk, by the way, he was 26. He finished ahead of score. He finished ahead of Yager, actually, this season. It was Yager's only third year, but... And right ahead of him is Phil Housie. Yeah, Yager was 20. Damn, did I guess the entire 20s, basically? <laughs> you guessed a lot of them, yes. <laughs> Shit. Uh, all right, let me think here. I think... I think let's do hints to speed this up. Sure. All right. Let's start with number 20. You are still waiting on that one. This guy uh, is known by his a shortened version of his first name. Um, Four-letter name. He shares it with a very popular uh, GM in the MLB. Who is formerly was the GM of a team that you and I both hate. Oh, Theo Fleury. Theo Fleury, yes. 100 points in 83 games. Yeah, well, I think if, I think I could get this mostly if I had teams. If I have some oh. teams, maybe I could do that. Boston, 18. Boston. He had 102 points in 84 games. He played for Boston, and he, a few years later, became a Buffalo Sabre, as a matter of fact. Oh, wait, shit. I was going to say Cam Neely. Uh, so Cam Neely's not in the top 20. No. Okay. Became a Sabre? Yes. Hmm. He was a saber for a very short amount of time. Is it Joe Juno? It is Joe Juno. Nicely done. Wow. Yes. Joe Juno put up 102 points in 84 games. Uh, next up, this one is definitely going to be, I think, uh, a tougher one. Um, number 16, this guy played for the St. Louis Blues. He had 106 points in uh, 84 games. Adam Oates? Uh, no, but Adam Oates is on this list. He is number three. For Boston, he had 142 points in 84 games. Hmm. Uh, this guy, though, for St. Louis, he only played 12 seasons, but his career ended prematurely because he had uh, blood clots. 
How premature? When was that? Uh, it was in his 12th season. So it happened in 1998-99 that season. This was oh. a guy, though, that, I mean, he had, like, pretty underwhelming. He had a handful of seasons with, like, 60-plus points, and then he had a 92-point season, a 106-point season, an 84-point season. It's a tough one. Yeah. I uh, Can we skip over this one? Sure. So moving ahead, uh, this guy played for the Chicago Blackhawks and had 50-57 and 107 points in 84 games. Uh, he, uh, do you want a hint that will be a giveaway, or do you want to think about it? Oh, uh, the Blackhawks, huh? Yeah. That's uh, recently unemployed. Recently unemployed. For just being a moron with his mouth. Oh, man. Real good buds with Andrew Peters and Craig Reve. Um, Known for dancing during, uh, during, I believe it was during an All-Star game when he was getting kicked out, or it was during a regular season game. Sounds like I should know this. It you should like know this. He's a tough guy, if he's friends with Peters and Reve, got fired for his mouth. Which Working sounds- as an analyst. Oh my God, Jeremy Roenick. Jeremy Roenick. Jeremy Roenick. Yes. And right ahead of him, number 14 on this list, he is a current NHL head coach who was interviewed for a job with the Buffalo Sabres. But we did not choose him. Man, who did we interview? It wasn't Rob Brindamore, was it? It was not Rob Brindamore. Current coach in the NHL. Yep, for a really good up-and-coming young team. So, is it Ralph Kruger? <laughs> no. Um, a good up-and-coming team. Yep, they were trying to go all-in this season, and they made a really big move that helped them go all-in. Man, would help if I didn't have trade deadline amnesia this year. It good. happened before the trade deadline. It happened early in the season. It was a really blockbuster move that happened early in the season. This is the second time that this guy was a part of a major blockbuster move for seemingly underwhelming return. Rick Tockett? Yes, it is Rick Tockett. Correct. Yes. With Pittsburgh, he put up 109 points in 80 games. All right. Uh, I believe you only have one more then. Um, and it would be number 12 on this list. He played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He had 55 goals, 56 assists, and 111 points in 72 games, actually. Damn, okay, I got it. Is it, is it Trottier? No. The Penguins had so many goddamn Hall of Famers in the early Yeah, I don't know if this guy necessarily was a, a Hall of Famer, uh, but he was a part of both of the Penguins championship teams in 91 and 92. Um, I already guessed... Francis. He played on Mario Lemieux's line, which is why he had so many points. He's not a very commonly known guy, though, but he was Mario Lemieux's left winger during the championship years. Hmm. Let's see. I think there's a guy named Kevin. Oh, yeah, baby. Kevin Stevens? Yeah, baby. Way to be. Yeah, there we go. Wow, Um, nicely done. And that is the list. So, wait, no, there's the blues guy I didn't get. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, that's right, actually. Is uh, it? Yeah, number 16. So did he only play for the blues? No. 
Um, let me see who else he played for here. He also played for the Boston Bruins, the San Jose Sharks, the Winnipeg Jets, the Phoenix Coyotes, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the New York Islanders. He was a 13th overall pick in the 1986 NHL draft. Oh my God. Really not a common name or not a common guy. It's not Joe. Joe. Uh, no, that's not right. I was he say shares that. a name. He his first name is the same as the current coach of the Blues. Hmm. Hmm. Uh Also, the name of a comedian who I believe you and I have seen live, who was in the office in Hot Tub Time Machine and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Hmm. Craig. <laughs> Guy named Craig, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're on the right track. Yeah. I didn't see Craig Robinson with you, unfortunately. But we didn't see him together? I thought we did a while back. You saw him with uh, my brother, actually, I believe. Oh, I think actually I did. Act- oh, maybe that's okay. Yeah. I knew that. I'd my forget. twin brother. Okay. So a guy named Craig, huh? Yep. Craig Simpson? Nope. All right. Who is it? Craig Janney. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, not not great. Um, no, I mean, this was pretty solid, though. Uh, yeah, on the these guys who are all on the outside down this list, Ron Francis, 21, Andrew Chuck, 22, Housley, 25, Howard Chuck, 26, Yager, 27, Kirk Muller, 28, then Shanahan, Madano, Messier, Jeff Sanderson right there. Brian Bellows. Jeff Sanderson. Yeah. Paul Coffey, Sergey Fedorov, Yari Curry. Brenda Moore's on here. Peter Bondra's on here. This oh, is unbelievable. People are just putting up like 80 points like it's nothing. There were 52 guys who had over 80, 80 points or more that season. And that wasn't even like the peak of scoring. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, right. Wild year. Bondra, huh? Was Bondra like a rookie then? Let's see. Ray. Wow, yeah. Ray Bork was... 32 he put up 82 points peter bondra no he was actually 24 huh. trying to think i uh, who is like the youngest who i could find on like the top i mean the top 50 the youngest is let's see jeff sanderson is 20 yamir yager is 20 who do you play for who sanderson yeah he was with hartford at the time huh. good saber Oh, yeah, another former Sabre, or, well, future Sabre, rather. Future Sabre. And I think we lost him in the expansion draft. but Yeah, I believe so, to Columbus, right? Yeah, sad. Wow. Wild yeah. stuff. This was a good one. Yeah, fun stuff. All right, everybody. Well, I think that about does it. Taylor, do you have any last-second thoughts at all? or? Uh, wear a mask. Good, good advice. Not just for goalies anymore. Darn right. Darn right. Well, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and wherever, again, you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you are listening to them. We are on there. The Hockey Podcast Network is on there and all of our affiliate shows are as well. Uh, I, I, I think that about does it. Be sure if you have not yet had the chance to go check out our interview with Doug Bodger, which was last week's episode. Uh, otherwise I, I believe that just about does it for us, everybody. So, uh, we're going to go back to doing our, our countdown of our random Sabres player of the episode, which we are going to share with you all now in three, two, one, Dale Howard Chuck. <laughs>